And so you've obviously been involved in the review of the paper and contribution of all that. Tell everybody what you think of this as it relates to this next generation of capitalism. And what do you think? Yeah. I mean, this is incredibly experimental stuff, right? So like, Absolutely. This is this is the bleeding edge right here. We're on the cutting edge here. Exploring space, right? Like the background. Uh, yeah, you're, 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 you're the crypto not here. Welcome to Opolis Public Radio, where we dig into how a rapidly changing world is impacting our lives and what we can do about it with a focus on freelancing, finances and the future of work. Big proponent of blockchain technology in its early phases. He was also um, an early investor in the creation of Ethereum and Shares, which is now NEO, and many other notable blockchain projects. And he's on and serves on the board of stewards for the Opolis Employment Commons. And most notably, he's a formal, former professional hockey player, which is probably the most interesting thing of all of this. So we'll just talk about hockey the entire time. Barry, how you doing? <laughs> Good, good. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. I love Opolis. And uh, yeah, we can talk hockey all day, man. Could go for uh, hours here. <laughs> well, you, you, so you played, I mean, let's talk about hockey for a minute. So you played, what, eight seasons? Yes. So I played eight years professionally. Uh, prior to that, I, I played uh, college hockey at UMass Lowell. So they play in Hockey East against a lot of the big schools, uh, BU, BC, UNH, Maine, uh, great hockey uh league there and uh yeah that's where i kind of got my start a degree in finance and, and graduated there and and started my professional hockey career actually in las vegas i like to say uh i played in vegas before it was a cool thing to do uh vegas got their nhl team a few years ago i knew that was going to be a, a huge success uh living and playing there myself uh, knowing the fan base there um, but yeah, I, I started out playing in the East Coast Hockey League, which is kind of a double A baseball equivalent, if you will, uh, was able to work my way up to the triple A level, uh, played, uh, actually for the Colorado Avalanches farm team for a couple of years. Uh, most of my time was with Pittsburgh Penguins farm team out of Wilkes-Barre Scranton and, uh, went to camp with, uh, Pittsburgh a couple times. Uh, actually, both years they won the Stanley Cup, so that was pretty exciting and, and fun to be around. A cool experience. Uh, get on the ice with guys like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, some of the best players in the world. Uh, was was really fun experience. So had a, had a great hockey career. Uh, the whole time I was spending time uh, learning and about crypto and investing in crypto. Okay, so, so was, how, how, you're you're a hockey player. You know, most of these guys are missing a bunch of teeth and and like they just live and breathe <laughs> hockey. They don't do crypto. Like, how did you get into How'd you learn about Bitcoin and how did you learn about all this stuff? Cause you For were pretty, sure. I mean, you were early. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was fairly early. Uh, and I do have all my teeth. They're not all real though. So that's uh, you know, I have the crooked nose too, but, uh, um, did you break no, it a few times? I, I broke it once. Yeah. Uh, Fight or just like an elbow or just a stick in the face, you know, just yeah. nasty stuff. But, um, no, uh, well, I, I just was always very much into investing. Right. And, and so, Went through college during the real estate crisis and graduated in 2010. And um, learning about that whole crisis in 2008 and watching it play out, I, I kind of felt like, okay, there's really something wrong with the system here, right? Like this, um, what's going on? So I went on this mission to kind of really learn about money and economics and uh, the history of all that as well and learn about the systems we currently have uh, through central banking, et cetera. And um, 
over time, that kind of just led me into learning about uh, Bitcoin. And I first heard about Bitcoin through Max Kaiser in 2011. Um, he was kind of talking about it like real early, you know, oh, that's a dollar. Really yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I wish I could say I invested that early on. Unfortunately, I, I just, just learning about all this, I was like, oh, you know, okay, that sounds cool, but I don't really understand it. Um, so it took me a couple of years to um, really understand Bitcoin, but I, I watched it throughout 2012. Uh, there was that whole bubble it had through the, the economic crisis in Cyprus there. I think they had like a run on the banks and Bitcoin really right. spiked to like $250 and kind of crashed again. And after that, I, I uh, kind of learned more about it. I was like, okay, this is something and, and finally got in. Um, after that but um yeah it's it's uh i don't know i've always been an extremely curious person so um learning about once i kind of grasped the concept of bitcoin i was hooked and um would read stuff on reddit on all kinds of different forums on the internet trying to learn anything and everything about blockchain technology and what how we could change the world with blockchain technology i have a similar path i mean i heard about it in 2012 but i literally did not understand it mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't read the the white paper, the Bitcoin white paper until probably 2014. I don't think I even read it until then, but then that was on the heels of meeting Vitalik's dad actually in early 2014. So like, wow, very cool. Um, happenstantial met him at a random conference in a small intimate affair in San Diego. And mm. it was just random that he was there. And I got the, I got a hold of the white paper later that year. And then, so I read that first, but then I didn't understand half of what was going on. So I had to read the Satoshi white paper and I'm like, sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. I kind of get it, I think, but I didn't like, I thought I did. I had no idea. Right. But right. Well, yeah. I, I, I have a term for that sort of discovery. I call it the uh, cryptiphany effect, you know, the crypto epiphany. It's like I, this process, depending on how, how deep and fast you go into crypto, it takes a while. I mean, it's I'll, a red pill well, moment. It takes, man. It's like, it's go a red pill moment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it takes, it takes like a year sometimes i mean well it takes a year but then once you get it though don't you feel yes. like it's just a light switch that just goes oh absolutely it's a crypt you know yeah, the, 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 yeah, the rabbit epiphany. hole ends with yes. the cryptiphany absolutely 100 yes. so, right so i, I love that because you know once you get it I, I think most people are hooked they really get it and um you know then they understand it but that that skepticism is is pretty big and the learning curve is big right so it just takes time well and i think there's I think the learning curve is steep for those, or maybe some people never get there when they're, the, right. if they're just looking at it as an opportunistic thing where it's just like, Oh, I can just make money. Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, this technology, not only from a sound money standpoint in, in, in Bitcoin's case, or a, like a immutable store of value, but like Ethereum is, is a, is a concept, a di distributed ledger technology like that could literally change the way we do all business, right? Like we do Absolutely. all human interactions, value transfers, pretty much anything. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I, I went down this rabbit hole after that. Just, I mean, it was reading about all kinds of applications for, for blockchain and got super excited about it and, and continued to learn about it throughout my hockey career. Um, and, so are there guys in the hockey world about this? So it's, it's really funny, you know, going back to like 2013 and stuff, uh, like when Bitcoin blew up to over 
thousand dollars. Everybody, every a lot of guys on my team are like, what's this Bitcoin thing? You know, it's like, oh, I know a, a bit about Bitcoin. You know, and I, I kind of describe it to people. I'll say, hey, you know, you should learn about it, um, really, and and take the time. <laughs> and and you know, it, it's funny because they would all crash, and everybody be like, oh, it's you know, probably a scam. All this, scam, it's for criminals. Scam. Yeah, all the all the stuff you read in the media, and. Uh, they kind of move on, and and that's funny, right? Four years later, it goes to twenty thousand. Like, hey, do you still own that Bitcoin stuff? You know, it's what is this? It's crazy. And again, everybody <laughs> on my team is like, hey, what's this Bitcoin stuff? And it's like watching this cycle play out. Did again. anybody buy any? Yeah, guys, guys bought some uh, at different points in time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, some would be like, oh man, I bought some at you know fifteen thousand. <laughs> it's like, you know, and it crashes to three thousand. So they're, they're really upset and like. <laughs> You know, it's like yeah, that, well, well just the wrong it's long term. Just, yeah, yeah, just just wait. You know, just huddle it, about baby. it. Yeah, huddle. Well, if, if they huddle it, they're back to par now. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, I, I see sort of the same cycle. I, I think we're gonna keep seeing these cycles for the next decade, right? As, as people learn about this and people adopt it, and uh, especially the institutional wave, we kind of I, I see coming here. Uh, to help grow adoption and, and use. So, well, that's you know part of what we're doing with Opolis, right? Is trying to make an actual functional ecosystem so that people can get involved in, you know, owning digital assets and being rewarded for contributions, stakeholder capitalism, etc. So, like, yeah, we're happy to have you on the board, man. It's it, it's great. So, you're you're an early adopter uh, mm-hmm. of this through your company Merkle Mountain, right? So, yes. Yes, yeah, so I retired it from hockey in 2018 and um, was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And um, I had actually started a small business when I was still playing hockey. I was selling hockey sticks on Amazon, actually using uh, Amazon FBA. Did really well with that uh, for several years. And uh, So these are like game-used sticks or what? No, not game-used sticks. So I literally... I was like, all right, I want to try to sell something on Amazon, right? I mean, a lot of people try to do this. Oh, so you actually created a distribution channel for actual like Yeah, sticks. so what I did is I was like, okay, I know a lot about hockey. So what's what's something new in the hockey realm? And this company out of Canada, they're actually on the equivalent of the Shark Tank uh, on the, was it CNBC or whatever. There's a show called Dragon's Den. It's a Canadian version. There's this company called Raven Hockey. And they made uh, basically professional grade sticks for kids. So, um, you know, serious young hockey players play travel hockey, et cetera. And uh, so high, high quality sticks and, and nobody was really selling these things online in, in the U.S. So I was like, hey, I'm going to put these things on Amazon. And uh, yeah, we did like six figures in sales in the first year of uh being on there and uh, ran it for several years. And so I learned a lot about how to sell on Amazon. Um, eventually a lot of people caught on and uh, you know, that's the issue with Amazon, right? Like it's, you know, well, it's, it's great when you're an early adopter right. and when everybody follows, it becomes a really noisy sea of exactly you know, insane competition. And yes. then it almost becomes, you know, not worth it. Right, exactly, and that's that's kind of what happened with that business. Uh, you know, a bunch of other people started selling, and it comes down to who has the best price, right? I mean, I had the best reputation because I've been doing it longer. Uh, but it's funny, there are crazy games on Amazon too. Review like review wars. I mean, you can just sort of um, have people <laughs> write bad reviews about another seller. Uh, I, you know, I never took part in any kind of uh, games like that. I never <laughs> you know, did anything like that. Ruin, ruin the competition? <laughs> no, I never did anything like that. But it's is really interesting to learn about. Um, 
you know, selling on Amazon and, and how Amazon works from the from the business side, right? As a consumer, most people love Amazon. Uh, it can be very difficult as a, as a seller. Interesting. So tell us about Merkle Mountain then. So you've got um, your consulting practice now in Boulder. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and the, the Boulder Web3 scene has been pretty vibrant over the past few years. I mean, we've obviously had quite a bit to do with it, but yeah. tell us from your perspective, you know, how are things looking up there? Um, you know, what's Merkle Mountain up to? What are you guys doing? What are the, what are the opportunities you guys are working on? What are the, you know, if you can talk about any of it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. First, just want to thank you, you know, uh, starting East Denver. I mean, Denver Boulder here has become sort of Silicon Mountain, you know, blockchain mountain here, the hub, if you will. Um, so it's really great. There's a great community of people here in the blockchain space and uh, a lot of tech companies here, et cetera. So that's fantastic, first of all. But with Merkle Mountain, yeah, we were kind of kind of born out of uh, a partner, uh, a few business partners I had in, in different things. And um, we had a, a guys from the oil and gas industry come to us and they were interested in, in mining Bitcoin. And it's funny, some of these old timers, you know, called it manufacturing Bitcoin and uh, say, Hey, how do we, you know, we have some, a lot of oil and gas here. See people are doing this with flare gas, et cetera. I, you know, how do we, how do we go about doing this? And I, at the time, Bitcoin is like five, $6,000. And um, this is before the pandemic. Um, and we kind of, we were so, okay, great. We'd love to help you out. We can help you set up, do this. And so did a lot of due diligence and research and connecting the dots there for them. Um, and then the pandemic happened, oil crashed uh, negative and um, they kind of backed off. Um, but since um, the price came back for oil and uh, seeing obviously the price of Bitcoin skyrocket here, they're like, hey, really got to do this again uh, back on board. So we're doing that. We have a couple of different arms of, of what we're doing with Merkle Mountain. We're also working with uh, early stage uh, startup project, blockchain project, helping them get off the ground and uh, through our network of contacts and, and just knowledge about um, different technologies. Um, one of my other partners with Merkle Mountain, Blake Burris, has extensive sort of uh, VC experience. He was funded by Facebook a couple times. Um, so he's kind of the serial entrepreneur who has uh, been real successful. And uh, so between the two of us, we, we started this. And um, now we're even looking at, we've, you know, it's crazy since the price of Bitcoin's gone up a lot and Ethereum, et cetera. We've had a lot of people in the institutional space um, mm -hmm. kind of come to us, hey, what's like, what's going on with this? You know, we've been reading about it more and more. Um, so we're actually looking at, it's not definite yet, but we might launch a, a crypto fund as well for sort of high net worth individuals, um, family offices, nice. offices, et cetera. So I have a couple of things in the works, but we, we uh, really have a focus on helping these uh, early stage uh, startups in, in the blockchain space. Cool. And which brings me to our favorite topic, which is the employment commons, right? So yeah. Um, how did you hear about Opolis? Yeah. Do, do I know the answer to that? Oh, that was, I'm was it Yev? Yeah, so here, well, I'm wearing it right now. I got this shirt, this cool ah, opolis, right? Yeah, there you I go. I got this, um, so I saw this table, this opolis at East Denver. And it's it's funny, I'm a big, uh, I'm really big on intuition, right? And I just had this feeling. I, I didn't fully understand opolis at the time. You know, I was learning yeah. so much about different projects, et cetera, at East Denver. I was like, that opolis project really stood out to me, though. So, um, and then I remember Blake had mentioned uh, talking with you and 
uh, so we set up a phone call and I just remember really hitting it off with you, John, on um, what you're doing and just your knowledge and background and expertise in this, in the space of what Opolis is doing. And I was like, I kind of had that again, that epiphany. I was like, Holy crap, this is amazing. Uh, what, what John and the Opolis team is trying to do. I want, I want thanks Barry. Yeah. So I was really, we, we like to think so. Right. I mean, whether, yeah. whether we're just a bunch of crazy, crazy people or, or we're actually onto something, I guess we'll sure. find out. <laughs> hey, that's part of, yeah, we'll find out. But I really think uh, you guys are onto something. And uh, so I was really uh, happy that you asked me to be a part of the, the stewardship board, uh, take a lot of pride in that and uh, happy to be a part of the journey. So let's talk about that. So for those that don't know, can you give everybody sort of a quick high level of what the board of stewards is for the employment commons and like, you know, how you see your role and and how that's going to kind of evolve as we start looking at governance and decision-making and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think until Opolis is able to establish all those those governance principles and different aspects of, of the commons, et cetera. You need someone, some group to help govern and navigate this road, right, in the early beginnings. So uh, I think it's part of our job and mission is to, to find the solutions uh, for, for um, what, you know, the problems Opolis is trying to solve and, and helping people and, and this idea of uh, sort of stakeholder capitalism, right, where we're all part we're not just it's not shareholder capitalism we're just trying to enrich ourselves through the uh opolis yeah um, exploitation of exploiting right exactly that's not the mission the mission here is that uh, win-win right win-win-win everyone uh wins and and reciprocity that's the key it's reciprocity absolutely so uh i feel like part of our mission uh, being on the board is to um you know nurture that and 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 help get opolis off the ground yeah it's been kind of an interesting experience like you know uh, just to give our our listeners some insight into this you know we meet every week right so we have Mm -hmm. about an hour-long conversation between six or eight of us um five people on the board with some advisors and other people contributing to the conversation to go a little deeper with this you know the the commons the employment commons is a cooperative and eventually the goal is to distribute the governance and decision-making largely to the membership, right? To decide on what makes sense for them for, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're part of that, right? So like, you know, it's a, it's a very aligned activity. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it goes down from what healthcare benefits we might offer all the way to, you know, the actual token mechanisms, the technologies that we use, you know, the benevolence mechanisms that we implement, you know, to make sure that we're actually setting this up for long-term success, right? So um, we have a, a threshold of a thousand members that we've got to hit before we start transitioning decision-making to the community. Mm-hmm. But I think there, I mean, there will always be some involvement from the board of stewards and, you know, sort of a checks and balances to make sure that there's, you know, we're staying on track. Certainly. Um, I, I suppose you could say there's there's somewhat of a veto power in some ways, depending on what would happen. Um, we've run through a lot of different scenarios on things that the membership could vote on and, and like sure. change to actually hurt it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see how those things go. So Absolutely. the token, um, the rewards token. So you've obviously been involved in the review of the paper and contribution of all that. Tell everybody what you think of, this as it relates to this next generation of capitalism and what do you think 
Yeah. I mean, this is incredibly experimental stuff, right? So like, absolutely. This is, this is the bleeding edge right here. We're, on the cutting edge here exploring space right like the background uh, yeah you're you're you're, you're, you're the crypto not here yeah there you go <laughs> yeah i you might want to put some sunscreen on though with all that i know sun I, got, you're getting. I, got, <laughs> I know it's uh it's blinding here <laughs> i'm super excited about the rewards program uh a couple aspects of it just for people to to understand it, the staking aspect uh the the payroll mining aspect um the referral aspect and consumption oh the last one yeah in consumption right okay so yeah and and right like we've talked about we don't you know maybe maybe these aren't worth anything maybe maybe they are worth something someday we don't we don't really know right that's um, that's, that's the that's the grand experiment right i mean yeah letting markets decide what the real value of an asset might be i, sure. I mean personally i think this is maybe one of the gutsier ways of doing this stuff because like literally mm-hmm. the market's going to tell you what it's worth if anything. Right. Right. And, and that's, but it's on the other hand of that, it's really great because then we're, we're not in control of any of that. Like the, the board of steers and the employment commons could never be, you know, you couldn't come back to us and say like, Oh, well, I mean, like you would never right. go to an airline company and say, well, your airline miles are being traded on them. But it, <laughs> So what, right, dude. Like, right. you know, we're just we're just giving people a digital asset for contribution, and to us, it's just you know a, a thing. And if if somebody sure. else decides that there's value enough to want to buy it from you, mm-hmm. I mean, I absolutely. Don't know. You know, like you know, we're not. I have no way to know that. Like, I have no absolutely. way to know that any of that would or could ever. I mean, it could happen, but it, you mm-hmm. know, whether or not it does, I think that's the greatest part about this. Is like you know, to me, the ICO boom of 2017. Mm-hmm. There was so much like arbitrary puffery. Right? Oh, absolutely! Like, I mean, every everything was a an ICO project. I mean, no matter what you had, is a token had all, all the value in the world. It was worth uh, fifty million dollars. Oh yeah, we're fifty you million, know. you know, one hundred and fifty yeah. million dollar market cap, three hundred million dollar <laughs> right. market cap. Right, it's Just like absurd. And and you know, eventually, I do think there is a correction when real metrics start hitting the crypto world. Mm-hmm. real sustainable mm-hmm. businesses. I think the ones that don't have sustainable businesses are going to be less desirable and people just aren't going to want them. Yeah, no, agree hundred percent. So, so I, think, I think that hasn't happened yet. We haven't seen the great sort of purging of, you know. Sure. I, I, well, expletive coins, right? Right, Cheap right. Coins. Well, we're still, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're still, we're still in the venture aspect right we're, we're venturing in the space here finding out what would have value what does have value what works what doesn't i mean if you look at some great projects in the past few years like Chainlink, really you know sprouted up there and um i think shows a lot of promising potential and uh a lot of oh, other but projects they, they actually there. have a real business though i mean they actually right. have like a real like ability to you know monetize services technology because they're pro- they're really providing data services yes. to to smart contracts, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a really solid foundation con- compared to like, you know, if you're just going to build an open source protocol, you know, from a value creation and sustainability standpoint, it's really mm-hmm. difficult because like, how does that get valued? I mean, unless there's just natural supply and demand like Ethereum where I need it for gas and like I need it for staking and there's real utility, right. you know, some of these protocols that they kind of, made up utility like they don't even yes. they don't really have utility right you, you, well you could buy stuff on our website with it it's like yeah yeah i don't think so you don't right. understand like economics if that if sure. you think that's an economy that's not like right 
a payment token is a really bad use case. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so anyway, yeah. So stakeholder capitalism. So mm-hmm. when you look at the employment commons as a consumer, so when you think about this program, what, what's the most exciting aspect of the three? So consumption, obviously, is just a solo sport. Referrals has a lot of surface area. Mm-hmm. And then uh, staking is sort of that almost kind of um, investment mindset. Like, which which one do you think yeah, absolutely. To you. Well, I, I'm. Uh, I've always uh, been big on staking. I, I looking at it from the investing perspective. Uh, I have this other term. You know, I have that cryptiphany term I came up with. Uh, a lot of people refer <laughs> to staking as as bonding, uh, but I to me it's it's a uh, uh, calm bonding. I'll explain that. Uh, if if you look at what Ethereum, did you say? calm bond, com, calm bonding, almost like compounding, calm bonding. So uh, okay. I, Commodity, a bond, and compounding in one, one word, compounding. But if, if you look at like Ethereum, for example, staking Ethereum, Ethereum is uh, if, if, uh, the bank. Number one, by the way, shout out to Danny Ryan, Vitalik, mm. and all of the ETH2 guys. But like, absolutely. December one. Yeah, phase zero. Yeah. Oh, Exciting. I'm in. I'm oh, in. Yeah. Are you? I'm, I'm working on uh, getting my node up and running. You know, gonna absolutely take part. I'm doing so. the same thing, so yeah, I'm on. I'm on it. Okay, we'll have to talk about that. Um, but yeah, it, the the Bankless guys had a great talk on Ethereum as this sort of triple point asset, right? Where it's a it's a uh, commodity, it's a um, store of value, and it's a, a capital asset. Okay, um, when I look at it staking from a commodity perspective, um, unlike oil, where you burn it gone you know it's this perpetual commodity right like you as long as ethereum is a thing right staking um will be a thing most likely and um, so it's perpetual in that nature and then from a bond perspective it doesn't doesn't necessarily I mean, it'll function and, and provide this return as, as long as you're staking right and there is a requirement that you're providing, you know, keep your node running for the network, but you can, you know, stack up ETH doing that. And then you're compounding your ETH too, right? So you're, you're combonding. Well, you're, you're securing the network. So you're providing, you're contributing service to, to the chain and you're being rewarded for that, right. That activity. And it's also locking up assets off the market. So from a supply and demand standpoint, you're creating more scarcity by doing that. Yes. So you're compounding value and creating scarcity at the same time. I mean, that's why I love staking too, because to me, it's sort of a market signal. You know, if, if, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if the employment commons gets really successful and, you know, everybody who's a member who's getting, you know, rewards for consumption or referrals is staking them. Sure. And they're earning, you know, more for doing that, like for essentially putting their market down. It's like a signal. It's like saying, no, I believe Mm -hmm. in this, right? Like, why yeah. would I do it if I didn't believe in it? So, you know, they say attention is value, mm-hmm. right? So to me, staking is sort of attention, my attention in the form of my assets, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stake my assets, but that's really representative of my attention. And that's really where I'm putting my energy and my contribution in that sort of investor way, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. No, certainly. So, I mean, to answer your question with, with Opolis and commons i mean i'm super excited about staking uh you know my opolis rewards tokens and um you know i I think second secondly you know referring referring getting more people into the system uh, 
we're we're um, we're all winning here, you know. And then you can stake your your referral rewards too, right? And yeah, it just becomes circular. Becomes like yeah, combonding. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> circular. You know, it's just, you're combonding, right? So, um, no, I'm, I'm super excited about that aspect. And and then right, it has it has. It does have value in that, um, right? If, if you well, can, people are paying cost, fees, right? So right, I mean, you're paying fees, yeah. So you're paying fees into the ecosystem, so that you're paying for services. Mm -hmm. I mean, eventually, the employment commons is going to be profitable. So you know, right. not not dissimilar, like you know, even like exchanges, like Uniswap, they're charging fees, right? Absolutely. So it's just really about getting volume up, which is really it's interesting because in a, in an exchange volume, you know, a lot of that volume is sort of high frequency traders, you know, sure. whatever doing their thing. Mm -hmm. The really interesting thing about Opolis and the employment commons is it acts more like SaaS, but it's consumptive, but on a fixed schedule. Mm -hmm. So you've got, you know, semi-monthly payroll runs that happen. Right. That create that are really creating the value and multiplying it. So you don't need to have somebody who needs to make a trade because it's just set it and forget it. So you're just stacking up value into this yeah. and staking something like that could be really interesting i think I mean, absolutely that's why we're doing I mean, it but like well i mean kudos to you guys i mean this whole uh theory or process of payroll mining i mean that's so innovative this is completely new i mean can't think of anyone else who's done this no, right i mean we coined the term so like I, yeah. I don't know anybody who's done it either no exactly and and you know for me when i first learned about that anopolis i mean those are the types of things I mean, i've had you know really great success investing in this space and these new innovations like what you've come up with um I've really seen had uh, great success for for new innovation you know i, I think uh, exciting times yeah, for sure no it is it's gonna be really exciting so a little bit more transparency for our listenership on just what's going on with the board of stewards so we do have uh, we're building requirements now with you know for the actual token contracts and the distribution mechanisms and everything else. So like we're looking at a few different um, projects from inside the space. Um, mm -hmm. Superfluid is one. I don't know if, if you've seen them, but like we're actually okay. going to talk, talk about them tomorrow at the call. Great. So like Great. they have a really, really cool technology. I'm not even going to drop it exactly what it is, but I'd be paying okay. attention to those guys for sure. Sure. Um, and um and yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to be on track. It seems based on, um, so one of our members is going to be taking on the project manager role to actually implement this technology. So we're doing a very community, you know, driven sort of exercise here, which is great because we have incredibly talented people sure. as members of the ecosystem that are now going to be contributing and then also multiplying their own value by for that contribution, right? So right, right. I guess I'll just drop it. So the goal to launch this is ETH number 2021. Cool. All right. All right. So we got some work to it's do, coming. but you know, yeah. we've got about three months ish, a uh, little bit less now, about okay, one week yeah. shy, but uh, call it three months and the rewards token will be out in the wild. So exciting, very exciting stuff. So um, we'll be, we'll be doing demonstrations and, real time, you know, we have a, a technology that's going to instantly vest all the lock tokens, right? So it'll mm -hmm. be in real time vesting mm -hmm. tokens. It's going to be a really cool thing to watch. Yeah, I I mean, 
I'm I'm super excited. Um, uh, glad to hear that. Can't wait to talk about it more tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it's 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 going to be interesting. So we should probably talk a little bit about the you know how you know we're thinking about you know, the actual distribution of these tokens on the long view. I mean, just to give people a little bit of an insider look. Sure. So there's going to be a DAO issue, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to, we're going to create a DAO. The initial members of the DAO are the stewards, right? Mm-hmm. For decision-making and distribution of tokens. And then um, all the members will be coming into the DAO as well. And then eventually we'll bifurcate all of that. So the governance and just dis- decision-making on distribution will all be done through the DAO. Mm-hmm. which is pretty cool stuff. Very cool. We're also looking at uh, spinning up a Gnosis safe, right? For some mm-hmm. of the initial distributions while, while the DAO is maturing and we actually get that up and going. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, what else are we doing? Um, I mean, there's so many cool little facets to this that what I love about use cases like Opolis is it gives us an opportunity to use a lot of these natives and primitives that everybody's been building for the past five years. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And and just to talk about the DAO a little more, you know, and, and this idea of stakeholder capitalism, right? There there does come uh or can come, you know, a little bit of responsibility with that, right? Like, you know, self-govern what we're doing here. Um it does take a little bit of participation, but at the same time you actually have a voice and and uh impact in, in what's going on and where things are going, right? You aren't just uh at the mercy of of a big corporation well, some or, company is making decisions know. essentially for you and exactly. based on their best interests right i mean that's exactly that's the beef that i've always had is like you know people defend capitalism as a great vehicle for creating value and it's true value is the currency of buoyancy in economic terms for communities but mm-hmm. when you eliminate the ability for people to really participate meaningfully in value creation aside from just collecting a paycheck Mm-hmm. You know, everybody will tell you that you can't get rich. Wealth is not created by working hourly for it. Right, right. Wealth is created through equity. Mm-hmm. So how mm-hmm. do you create a new version of equity that essentially, essentially operates like old versions of equity in, in the form of creating value, but doing it in a less of a scarcity-based model, Right. more of an abundance-based model, infinite scalability of value, Right. And also allows people to permissionlessly participate in said value creation without having gatekeepers and, and hurdles to get over that would normally preclude them from participating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Yeah. I mean, I can't say it any better than that. That's, uh, you know, that's the, that's the win-win, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's what we're trying to build here. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, at the, like I said, we're, we're either, we're either crazy or, or insane and, and probably <laughs> sure. a little bit of both. Sure. But, you know, I mean, if you look at the space and how it's grown, I mean, this, this obviously is, is working. What, what, what we're doing and what we're trying to build here, it, it's gaining momentum. It continues to grow. For and, sure. And new innovations like you guys have created here are going to bring more people into the, into the bind. And, and, you know, we're going to weave uh, even more great, great uh, opportunities and, and innovations and, and keep growing. Right. So, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. now we're in the middle of open enrollment. You're mm-hmm. a member. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody watching this or listening to this, you know, give your, you know, two-bit tour on the health insurance plans, the, you know, the yeah. services, shared services. What should, why should people come take a look at this? You know, functionally, I mean, crypto nerd aside, crypto nerdery right, stuff yeah. aside, like no, why sure. does this actually matter to regular people? 
Absolutely. So I'll tell a little personal story. I'm a big story guy. Okay. So, you know, in the last year, my wife and I were on three different insurance policies. Like basically my going back a little bit, we were still on like my Cobra plan from my hockey career, right. Um, from retiring from hockey. And then it went on my wife's insurance. My wife changed jobs when, and, and at one point it was like, we had a Cigna plan with this previous company. And then we had another Cigna plan with the, the next company, but different, you know, slightly different plan. But I mean, cha- telling your doctor, Oh, we're, well, yeah, we're with Cigna, but new policy. I mean, it's just, it's just a mess. It's like, yeah. um, Okay. Sick of this. Right. And and then I met you and and learned about Opolis and uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, a self-employed person, I was like, this is perfect. Uh, You know, enough with this uh, three insurance plans in a year. And and not only that, but it's a, it's a great insurance plan uh, through, through the commons, you know? So yeah, I, I'm a, a user, uh, you know, onboarded here for the start of November. So haven't member. had to, not a user. Member. Yes. Key, key word. Thank you. <laughs> member. I'm a member. And you know, so far it's great. I haven't had to really use any. Uh, so uh, you found, you found that the insurance rates were really good, right? So comparatively yes. to what you were looking at, right. The rates are good. You, rates you think good. that the, the, the network is good. The quality of the insurance is good. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I agree with all that. And then on top of that, I mean, I used to use uh, Gusto for running payroll f- through, you know, for myself through uh, several of my businesses. And uh, it's easier for me to do it through, uh, you know, I want to be part of this stakeholder capitalist ideal and, um, you know, earn rewards tokens. And, and uh, it was really simple to run payroll through you guys, you know, um, can set it and forget it really. And, and the dashboard was uh, really user-friendly. You don't have to be, you know, I'm not a highly uh, technical programmer or anything, you know, so. Nor are you a payroll compliance specialist probably. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, and yeah, I mean, some of this stuff is not easy to use, right? When you when you get in there. And but the enterprise to... stuff is terrible because they, they over-engineer the hell out of it. And Yes, agreed. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had to call Gusto. Hey, how do I, how do I do this? You know, no, honestly, uh, done that a lot. And, and so, uh, no, found Opolis to be, uh, really simple to use and, and, um, I mean, really great for someone like myself. So anyone who's a, you know, solopreneur or gig worker, whatever you call yourself, freelancer, contractor, et cetera. Sole practitioner. Uh, yes. Yeah, independent contractor, whatever right. you want to say you are, whatever you are, like come join us in the comments. Right. Yeah. So I guess just to, just to punctuate that, I, you know, we are an open enrollment. So for those of you that are listening um, now is the time of year that typically like the state exchanges are, are sort of operating, offering enrollment. Um, this is a good time to come and compare what the services of, and the features of the commons offer as it relates to like the comparison, right? The alternatives. Um, actually just got off a call today with a, a, another person in Colorado. He was telling me Lily for a plan that's probably, you know, 30 to 50% less in quality, like higher deductibles, much higher. Sure. Like it's, it's several hundred dollars more per month. So yeah, like you can save crazy. money and get better coverage and get the whole stack of shared services and support. Right, small business, and literally is free for twelve months. So like, right, come on, and then and then even yeah. after that, it's like a third of what these other services are going to cost and charge you. Like even sure. Gusto is what one forty nine a month plus six dollars per person. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what I what I was paying. Uh, <laughs> that's what. That's last I yeah. knew what it was. But yeah, I mean, I yeah, I had six to eight employees at one time too. So it's like you know, um, several hundred bucks a month. But yeah, yeah I mean, in in this case, you're literally talking about free, and then it's all based on consumption. So you know, whatever you run for your payroll, it's one mm-hmm. percent. So sure, pretty easy stuff. All yeah. right. Well, let's uh, let's see if we've got any questions from the community. If we do. Um, let's, uh, you know, take any questions. Let's open that up. Q and A is open. So if you guys want to jump in and ask any questions, feel free. Uh, we'll just go ahead and keep chatting for a second here unless something pops up and, uh, all right. So predictions, you know, what's your, you know, do you have any other, I mean, aside from Opolis aside and some of the other obvious ones aside, do you have any like off the radar sort of pet use cases that you like for, for blockchain tech. Yeah. So for web three sort of emerging stuff. Yeah. Um, so what, well, first I guess to talk about web three a little bit, you know, we, we see, we've seen this DeFi craze and, uh, see a lot of projects that will maybe call themselves DeFi, but they aren't really right. I mean, uh, for example, there's some credit system projects out there that are, are utilizing the FICO, you know, score system. It's like, well, it's not decentralized, you know, it's not truly DeFi. Um, no. There's uh, I came across, I think it's called union.finance is a sort of truly kind of like decentralized credit system, right? Where you can uh, vouch for other people and, and um, kind of uh, establish this system of credit in, in the community, you know, um, it's an interesting project to me. What's so, that, like, union.finance? Yeah, union.finance. I just learned about it uh, literally a couple of days ago um, and sent an email to learn more. But our, our project actually through Merkle Mountain uh, hopefully launch kind of in the next uh, six months, hopefully. I'm really excited about that. But I, I see, um, I guess from kind of investing uh, future perspective and, and kind of where we are in these crypto cycles, I am a kind of a believer in this four-year cycle we've seen. You know, I've lived and watched two cycles, two or three cycles really previously. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I think we're kind of on the, the cusp of the next uh, wave here, right? Like, and that wave is, and this is what I've been waiting for all along is the is institutional space, institutional money and investment moving into the space. And uh, you see corporations like MicroStrategy investing $450 billion in, or excuse me, million, million. not billion. Yeah. Uh, into Bitcoin, say, right? dude, that's, that's like oh man three yeah. x the market cap <laughs> seriously <laughs> um but you know i think you know that institutional wave's coming and that'll that'll bring you know some people maybe don't like that because of how it looks from oh corporations are doing this and that but all of this brings light to blockchain tech and crypto yeah and, people pay everything attention we're trying to, to it do. yeah more, exactly. more people are paying attention to it and yeah the, the coolest thing about it is you can put 450 million dollars in and you can't control it Right. You don't own right. it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's you're just storing value and betting on scarcity economic, you know, models mm-hmm. to create deflationary price increase, right? So do, do you know, increase in price pressure based on supply and demand and mm-hmm. I mean it's pretty basic economic stuff, but like yeah, it, it's interesting to me that it's taken this long though. I I, mean, I agree with it, you. It seems pretty obvious to me, but like and then some of these guys, you listen to them now, they're like all in. They're like, oh, I'm going to ride this thing till, you know, whatever. But like, Absolutely. where were you even two, three years ago? Like, right. 
Hey, I agree with you. You know, it's funny. It's like, um, you know, people don't believe in the in Bitcoin until it hits 15,000, right? It's like, I know. It's you like, know, it's I, like I, was, <laughs> I got all my neighbors calling me up again, the ones that I was telling to buy Bitcoin at like, right. you know, a thousand. And they're like, yeah, yeah. They're like, calling, hey, man, I saw Bitcoin went up again, dude. Should I get in now? I'm like, dude, <laughs> like, I know. Yeah, now or, now or never. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> at what point? Yeah, I, I get at what point do you get it? I mean, I still talk to people. I talk to people in the institutional space. Uh, talk, you know, talk to a guy the other day, and I have great respect for a lot of these people. You know, they're smart people, um, but they, they don't. I don't know. They don't. They don't grasp it or understand it maybe fully, and they still have that too much skepticism, in my opinion, to take the time to learn and really understand what's happening. Because I mean, this is happening. I, to me, it's like inevitable. Uh, it's been a lot of high, highly touted people. I mean, that Raul Powell guy who does Real Vision finance uh, that uh, channel i mean he he gets it and he talks about uh, you know it's it's really inevitable it's coming so there's so a lot of people out there now and it's, it's it's gaining momentum well i i totally agree with you and it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens over the next you know even six months i mean i know i was saying this two years ago so like mm-hmm. Every six months is interesting, but like, it seems like, you know, it's kind of like playing one of those coin pusher machines, you know, you keep putting in the coins, eventually they kind of get pushed to the edge and you know, something's going to fall, you know, something's going right. to go. Yeah, I feel like we're at that place mm. where like, you know, if you look in the rearview mirror, like use cases, tech maturity, privacy, security, like for, for like even Ethereum and a lot of things. Dude, it was so immature. Like, I think they the assumption was that the the maturation cycles were going to be faster. Right. You know, ETH two is literally just coming, and we were talking about ETH two two years ago at ETH Denver. You know, right. Like, so, I mean, it didn't come fast, right? So, yeah. But it feels like to me that there's been sort of a giant sort of wave of quiet pushing that mm-hmm. you know, it's there's just going to be this this big sort of like gate opening. Right. Yes. I, I could be wrong, but it, it seems like that's what my intuition is telling me is that there's, there's going to be some, you know, and maybe projects like Opolis or others that are more accessible to real, real world people. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's institutional investors getting involved. Maybe it's companies like PayPal letting people right. use it. Right. I don't know, but like, it feels like there's a lot of things staging up that could just like, you know, really push this over the waterfall. Oh, I agree with you 100%. I mean, they're all gateways, right? It's all uh, introductory and in, in introducing this these concepts and and uh, use cases to people, uh, just like Opolis is doing. So uh, it's inevitable. It's it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, Barry, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it, and thank you f- to everyone else li- listening to this uh, episode of Opolis Public Radio. Remember to su- subscribe to Opolis's YouTube channel for more videos just like this. And subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast if you prefer just the audio version. If you're a freelancer, gig worker, solopreneur, sole practitioner, whatever you refer to yourself, looking for an employment solution, come join us and be a self-sovereign worker at Opolis. Make sure to join us at opolis.co. That's O-P-O-L-I-S dot C-O. And check out the employment comments. So we'll see you on the flip side next time. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for listening. We hope you liked the episode. If you did, please leave us a rating or review and don't forget to subscribe. See you next time.